All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We continue on Sports 1440. Live, Orders Nation uh, YouTube. I'm Jason Greger. He is Connor Halley. It is game day. The Orders are in Winnipeg to take on the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, one lineup change. We'll see Zach Hyman return. And uh, Sam Gagne comes out. So Hyman will go on the top line. Uh, Jan Mark will go and play with Ernie and Hamlin. Uh, good news for the Orders. They have 10 different players who have scored a goal in the last 10 games. And eight players, including Vincent DeHarnay are all point-of-game players for the last three. So, uh, you know what? Obviously, McDavid is lighting it up, but uh, you're getting contributions from lots of other players, and, and that's key uh, if you want to win. Now, the next step, of course, will be continued defensive improvement, and we'll see. As uh, we welcome to the show, fresh from uh, filming Season 3 of uh, Shorzy, our uh, Thursday co-host, uh, former uh, eighth overall pick. Not former, I guess. It was the eighth overall pick of the 1995 uh, NHL draft. Uh, played for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, won a few uh, ball hockey uh, championships. And now, of course, is uh, starring in Shorzy. Also a two-time author. Terry Ryan joins us. TR, how you doing? Uh, great. Had, um, uh, we After a long day of shooting yesterday, I get this text message from one of the glorious sons, uh, the band, I love the band. And uh, I was like, hey, do you guys want some backstage passes? We're big fans. So shot down there, watched the concert last night, went backstage, met them. And it meant a big deal because I think they're a great band. They're Canadian. They're, and, and I just 
you know, singer-songwriters that play instruments, actually. Oh, you know, nice. There's just not many left. <laughs> and I really like them. So it was a thrill. Awesome. I want to ask you, because we've had lots of texts, people coming in, uh, you know, uh, Ryan McLeod is, is, right, like there's lots of parts of his game that he's doing well. He's not scoring, so that's the obvious one, right? Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, he's never going to score a ton. But there are some things like, to me, it's like, hey, um, I'd like to see him shoot. He's got to, for a guy who has the puck on a stick a lot, he doesn't have a lot of shots on goal. Right now, he's missed the net a lot this yeah. year, but he doesn't shoot much. Um, the, the, people are saying, well, he's got to be grittier. He's got to be grittier. And I'm like, and I get that. But if you've never been a gritty player, Terry, all the way up, like how many guys can really like maybe lay a body here or there? Sure. But to when I when I think of somebody as gritty, I look at Zach Hyman's a gritty player. He's skilled, but he's gritty. Right. Like, do you think you could yeah. you could get a guy to really change and suddenly become that much grittier? I don't know, man. Like it, it's not so much a choice as like in here. I, I, it's in, it's inherent in you. I think like a lot of the time, I'm, I think, I think a guy like Hyman can get grittier because he's already gritty. But to not have that instinct at all, and to just all of a sudden have it, I don't know. I could name you lots of players, but if it's not there, it's not really there. Um, now that being said. I honestly think he's fast. He takes was it overtime? He was, yeah, he was, there, in, late. He was there in overtime. Yeah. yeah. What did he took a guy wide? Why doesn't he do that more? And he and he, he got kind of he, he went to do the that net and get a decent shot. Yes. Murner does it a lot in Toronto, and the shot bounces out in front, and at least there's a play, and it might go in. Like a lot of guys shoot from there up now up over the shoulder. That's a thing, you know. Like that's it, you know a lot of people shoot there, and it's really vulnerable for goalies. It's like you know I. Kind of wonder why we'd always weren't shooting for there, but you know the spot I mean up oh, over yes. the shoulder when the goalie goes down, and he never even really tries it. He's got that speed. I don't know why it doesn't seem like he plays with confidence. He can shoot it way more than he does. Yeah, I see. I agree with you on that. Like, so those are things that you know add dimensions to your game as far as become more of a shooter. Okay, but I just think asking suddenly thinking that Ryan McLeod is going to become a gritty player. I think you're going to pound your head against the wall if you want a grittier center. And I can understand if people do. I think it's a total valid thing. I just think it's probably unrealistic to think that Ryan McLeod. Now in the playoffs, he showed a little bit more. But again, I agree with you. If you don't, if you're not a banger and you've never really been that, you're not suddenly just because you get to the NHL, it's the hardest league in the world. And I get that, you know what? Lots of guys who stay there, they can evolve their game. Like some scorers become, you know, more checkers per se and and more penalty killing type of guys. But they don't suddenly, like I was racking my brain thinking, okay, who's a player I know that came in who was highly skilled, but then became a real gritty guy? Like I'm sure there's a few. I just don't, I don't remember many because I think it's way harder than people think. Like we got guys, I play in the WHL. It's easy to add grit. And I'm like, okay, like send us your name so we can look up your stats, Mr. Grit. And then we can see how easy it was to suddenly be gritty because I don't believe it is. No, I'll give you two examples from way, way back. But in my experience, okay, up and down in Montreal and in the minors, I played with Matt Higgins, who was a first round pick, played in Moose Jaw. Yeah. Um, and Aaron Asham. Now, Asham in junior, like people, I know that. He, he, he punched out yeah, he was Jay tough. Beagle in the NHL. He fought a lot, and he's kind of known for these things. But Ashman Jr. had 45 goals to- two years in a row. He had grit. I mean, obviously, it was yes. there. But when we went pro and he realized he wasn't going to score at that clip, he became grittier. He just did it more. He hit more. 
he fought more, and he became a well-rounded player. In junior, he had a temper to him, but he really wasn't out there looking for it. He was looking to score. But he kind of had it. But he kind of had it in him, though, right? Yes, he yes. already had it. So yeah. a gritty guy, I think, can get grittier, and that happens with Matt Higgins. And Matt was, just, I mean, he became definitely more all uh, all dimensional. Matt was a great two way player, really smooth skater, but like it it just wasn't in him that that whole grit thing just it, it it wasn't part of his dna didn't mean he wasn't a great and this not the reason by the way i'm not comparing aaron played longer higgy hurt his back Higgy played about 50 games was a great hockey player one of the best two-way players i've ever played with but there was absolutely no grit he, he blocked more shots and be better defensively but it wasn't in him to hit more or definitely not fight or stick or you know he, he just wasn't that kind of a player and i'm just mentioning them because it's first-hand experience it's in the recent past and it's my, I, I, I guess, I, I think that happens a lot when, when players get to the NHL, like um, McLeod. I, I, I just, I see what people are talking about. He can become a better player, like you said, and yes. definitely get his two-way game. So that's a form of grit, I guess, blocking shots, whatever. But I don't, as far as physical nastiness, no, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I just, I think people, like, if, if you're a gritty player, it might come natural to you, but maybe you don't have the skill. Right. And that's not a knock. Like guys who are gritty and skilled teams are tripping over themselves trying to find them. There's just not a lot of them. Right. Like it's just the truth. There isn't. If you're a a bottom six guy who's got a little bit of sandpaper to his game and can kill penalties. My God, teams are looking, you know, they're they're tripping over themselves to try to find guys like that. Right. Like and and then, of course, you have to have the skill because there's lots of gritty guys who will play gritty, but don't necessarily have the skill. Right. Like we got. Hey, guys, what about Tyler Benson? Well, Tyler Benson tried to become more of an agitator 100%, but he didn't have the skill to be there. Ryan McLeod has a skill to be an NHL player. So I think it's Benson looked and said, if I ever even want to try to get to the NHL, that's what I'm going to have to do. And it didn't work, right? Like I give him credit. He tried, but it didn't work, right? So Mm. Ryan McLeod is an NHL player and his speed will always keep him in the NHL. And the fact that I, I, I he makes it look easy transporting the puck, Terry. And it's hard. Like there's not a lot of guys who can transport the puck through the neutral zone. Look on the Oilers. Who does it? McDavid. Drysidle, Nugent Hopkins, and probably McLeod, right? Like, Fogel doesn't do it. Hyman doesn't do it. Evander Kane's not a transport of the puck, and Evander Kane, is as talented as he is, is not a great passer. That's okay, right? Like, McLeod has some pretty good skills, so I think you either have to say as an organization, and I think if you want more grit from your third-line center, I, I will listen to that all, argument all day long. I think it's valid. But then you have to then you have to remove Ryan McLeod because he's not going to ever bring you the grit that you want if that's what you want from a third line center. But I'll say this in today's NHL, I'm not sure you need a ton of it, but I agree with what you said, TR. He's got to figure out a way to shoot the puck more and he can at least go to the net. And if that's a form of grit in your eyes, then Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll okay. But we saw it in overtime. He went now it's three on three. So maybe that's why, because that showed me, I'm like, does he not do it? Because he's worried about he might get hit. But how many guys get hit in today's NHL going to the net? Like, they don't get hit that hard. You don't, there's not, unless you're out there against Radko Gudis, right? And a few other guys. Terry, there's not a lot of defensemen that are out there. When you come down the right wing and you've got the opposite defenseman and he comes over and just rolls you over in the slot, right? We don't see that anymore. Not much. And someone like that with McLeod's speed, I mean, you'd figure he must realize that that's a huge asset. It's like when I'm watching him play, it's almost 
a series of missed opportunities. Like, I, I don't know if it's, it could be confidence. And again, it's not like he's out there stinking up the joint. I just see that he can do so much more. I had that same feeling with that uh, Pugliarvi, was it? Pugliarvi? Yeah. Is that the, the, the right-hand shot with yeah, Edmonton last year? Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. He just did a whole lot of nothing. Like, you just watch him and, and you feel like something is going to happen. And and nothing ever does. And McLeod, I mean, he's got those wheels. He's a smart hockey player. He was good in junior. You could argue great. So it's in him. I just, um, yeah, it's either confidence or kind of being a bit timid to go to those areas, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, no, I, that, I like that word. Timid to go to the areas. I think that's a, that's something that you see too often from him. That you that he's gonna that he's gonna have to change. And the thing was in the playoffs, I actually thought the level that I would expect or I thought's realistic. I thought he was more engaged in the playoffs. I thought him and Fogel had a pretty strong playoff for Edmonton, right? And and even just finishing checks, right? Like I don't. He's never going to be you know a guy who's running over everybody. But when you're that fast. You should be able to at least, you know, rub a few guys out. Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, look, Ryan Reeves gets hits in. He's slow, right? I mean, I know he's one extreme to the other, but I, I, I never ever could understand why not, why you wouldn't finish your hit as a forward. I really don't like you're and the fast players. Like again, I was a terrible hitter, like open ice. Now, why is like, that? I, I, is it because you never really I, did it? I was, a, I, well, I didn't look to do it and I was, um, I, I, I skate kind of straight up. I'm, oh, I'm not okay. very low on my skates, and I just wasn't confident in it. And I think there was something in me. I'm serious. I had a bad concussion in junior through through open ice hit, and I, I think there was something in me that was like, unless I need to do this, why yeah. do I want to hurt? So-? Like that's fair. Yeah, I would rather punch somebody in the face. There was something in the back of my mind that it was personal experience. Going, man, if I hit this guy, he's going to be hurt for months. It's going to be horrible. But whack some, you know, fight, whatever. There's not as much G-force. I've always said it. Or hit. Every hit along the boards that I had an opportunity, I would definitely just finish it. Bob Laux, I remember, God, he would bench you if you didn't do it. Like, just in junior, he was a great coach. But he used to be like, just finish it. Because he goes in the third period, Brian McCabe or whoever, Nolan Baumgart, they're going to be worn down. It's not about that hit. It's about the end of the game and tiring out the other team's defensemen, you know. And um, usually defenseman, that's the way he put it. But, you know, or or Surrey or Brewer, these were big guys. But that was the only way to wear him down. And death by a thousand cuts. Late in the third period, Sheldon, he's going to go there. But now I might get the edge because he's a little bit tired and he doesn't get it out of the zone. And boom, we score. And that happens all the time. I don't understand why players don't finish their hits. If I was a coach, that would be real big. Like, I don't care. Just finish it. Yeah. That's fair. 423, Jason Greger, Terry Ryan. Uh, Mike Rupp's going to join us. We'll get to the uh, uh, ski report. Also, uh, more on the Oilers. If you missed it, Zach Hyman is playing tonight. Uh, he's feeling better. He was laughing. He's all excited. Uh, didn't want to miss the game, but he had the illness on Tuesday. But he is ready to go uh, when we return on the Greger Show on Sports 1440. 428, Jason Greger, Terry Ryan with you on Sports 1440 Live on Oilers Nation YouTube, uh, lots of text flying in. Uh, people wonder, what about Dan Cleary? Well, remember Dan Cleary? Like, Dan Cleary was a scorer. Dan Cleary had a drinking problem, right? And he yeah. talked openly about it. And uh, Dan Cleary, when he came back, people forget, Dan Cleary scored 20 goals and 20. Like, he was a scorer in junior. But there's lots of scorers in junior who never become scorers in the NHL because it's really hard, right? 
And uh, he had mm. one great year of junior with Belleville where he scored 53. But the other two years, he scored 32 and, and 26. And in the NHL, he scored 26 goals. Like, Dan Cleary was on a checking line in Detroit because he had to be. But Dan Cleary was never running guys over. That wasn't, that wasn't his game, right? He had skill, and he was a skill guy. Like, lots of first-round picks become skill guys in the bottom six and maybe learn to kill penalties. But, uh, you know, and Dan Cleary, he had a few fights in junior, but if you look at his, his pims or his hits in the NHL, they never really changed, right? Uh, there's lo- Andrew Cogliano. There's lots of first round selections who become bottom six forwards, but that doesn't necessarily, a bottom six guy doesn't mean you're naturally gritty. It might mean you're a good penalty killer or, you know, you, you do certain things like Cogliano w- was always a competitive player, but when he moved to wing and, and we had Andrew on the show. For him, he had to, he had to get, he had to buy into the fact that he wasn't a center at the NHL level. And that was the hard adjustment for him. He thought he was a center forever. And I get it. Like, that's the position you play. And suddenly he's like, I'm a winger. And then after two years, you realize, oh my God, this is way easier. I'm a smaller guy. I don't have to battle down low. I don't have to battle nearly as much. He said he felt way fresher and he was able to get on the four check quicker because he was usually the first guy up the ice. Yeah. As far as Clary, by the way, I grew up with Dan. Um, you know, funny story. When I played in Quinnell Junior, my two Bantam years played junior hockey in Quinnell. It was a wild experience. Um, Mike Barnett came right to my door. He was Gretzky's agent. Mm-hmm. He came right to my door, knocked, knocked, and I was 14 years old. He said, I'd love you to sign with IMG. You'll be our youngest player ever. And the first thing my dad said was, thanks a lot, Mike. If you think Terry's good, you got to go to Harbor Grace, Newfoundland right now and see Danny Clary. And Danny did the same thing. Danny went to, up to Ontario at 14 as well. <laughs> He's a year younger than me. And uh, started ripping it up, and no one knew what to do. And he goes to the OHL. Yeah, Danny did. He drank a lot. He was at World Junior Camp when he was 16. Yeah. And he still never made it, even when he was 19. But Danny's and Danny like again say that I'm not talking out of school, but Danny always had a bit of a clip in him. You know, he's from uh, Riverhead Harbor Grace, like yeah. you know, he's he, like he was a lippy kid, and you know, yeah, he had an edge to him. Like he get the yeah, he, he had like he wasn't pure. He was a great player and like a really really skilled more than anything, but it wasn't. Yeah, he he wasn't McLeod. No, he, yeah. he you know he he had a bit of you know he'd fight you he, he'd. Be, be pissed off he'd do it and he'd, he'd hit you you know he had a slight bit of grit already there trust me yeah I, I think that's fair like it's some people have it some people don't and it's hard like it is you would love to have more players but you are who you are as a player and i anything you know good good gms and good coaches realize you know you play to your player strengths obviously you try to improve in certain areas of their game 100 percent, but the foundation of a player isn't going to change significantly when it comes to this like if they're a certain highly competitive player then that's out and if they've never overly been that competitive per se and as far as battles it's going to be hard to do it in the best league in the world. I just think it's, uh, you know, you and I have been sitting here during the break trying to think of names of players who have done it. And it's really hard because, well, yeah, but that guy was kind of gritty in junior. And so, you know what? Uh, you, there's none like Ryan McLeod. He's never really had that in his game. And that's not a knock. That's just who he is as a player. He wasn't drafted because of he was drafted because he was a great carrier of the puck. You know, he's decent on faceoffs. He, he's got he's got a decent shot. He's not a finisher, but he's got a decent shot. Um, he uh, he skates like a mile, and the, there's just not many. Like, how many bottom six forwards in the NHL can transport the puck as well as Ryan McLeod? There's not many. Yeah, there's not many. 
There's really not many. And sometimes playing against team's third and fourth lines, he really stands out. Yes. Again, nothing gets accomplished, but you can tell watching that guy, right? Like, he could be a wagon. I, I don't know. Yeah, but like, there... I guess he's young. Yeah, there's young. There, there's there. I think it's fair to say, geez, he leaves you wanting more. I can totally agree with that because, just, geez, this guy's got the puck. He's wheeling all over the place. And you're like, something should happen. And there's times where not as much is happening as you would like. And I think some of that could be solved by a little bit maybe more going to the net at times, right? And you said, even just shoot the pad. Right, shoot the pad, go far pad. Sometimes it kicks out for a rebound. Right, it's not putting the puck in front of the net. I know you don't want to just waste shots all the time, but if it's a smart shot where you're shooting the far pad, where the goalie has yeah. to kick it out, then then it might turn into something, and then your teammates at least know because you've talked about this before, Terry. The biggest thing about the NHL is is it it can be easier at times than the AHL because it's predictable, right? Like if you're a smart mm. player and you know, okay, if I go here, this guy more often than not is going to go there. Right. So it makes yeah. it a little bit easier at times. I loved that element of it. Yeah. Like guys are, it's like you, you feel like you're just a cog in a wheel that's moving and you know, you, you, you just jump onto this moving train and it's in, it's in motion, man. It's so fast up there, the passes and the skating. And it really, I, I remember like really kind of getting off on it going, wow, like this, this is the fastest hockey in the world and I'm playing it. Right. But the thing that I wish I had that I didn't, I had to work on my skating. I like how you said, there's bad shots and there's good shots, whatever. Like I would often come in, maybe make a play or spin, you know, Gretzky was, even though I didn't play like Gretzky, I love that play when he would come in and spin on the blue line. Yeah. So you'd buy yourself a bit of time. I played with Lankow or Mark Wolf over my career or Darren Coburn or whoever it would be. I, I would often play with a good centerman that, that, you know, we fed off each other that way. If I could, I would have obviously taken it wide. I'd, I love that play. I just couldn't get wide on many D. Um, and it wasn't always a speed thing. It was an agility. you got to have a, a combination of both, which he has. And I always think that's a good play because when, 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 he can beat the D. So you've got that shot. Again, it's not a great shot, but it's a whole lot different than wind up for a slapper 10 feet back with the D in front of you. Right. You, you, now, you, now the D's kind of you've, you've, you're starting to create something. His feet are going. The goalie's ready. But there's players crashing the net. Anything can happen. And you've got to play, you've got to rebound, you've got to pass. But he often passes that opportunity up and will just kind of throw it in the corner, which is not always a bet. Like, right? it, often, it often leads to a cycle, but you can just tell that there's more in the tank that this guy has to offer. And to me, it starts there. He can be burning a lot more NHL defensemen wide if he really puts his mind to it. It's very true. Jason Gregory, uh, Terry Ryan with you. Lots more text coming in on uh, TR. I want to get your thoughts on uh, the Corey Perry statement that uh, that came out today for for any of our uh, audience uh, uh, listeners who who missed it. Uh, I can I can re- read it really quickly. Basically, you know, I want to, these are his words, not mine. I want to sincerely apologize to the entire Blackhawks organization, including ownership, management, coaches, trainers, employees, and my teammates. I'd also like to apologize to my fans and family. I'm embarrassed, and I've let you all down. As a result of my actions, there's been speculation, rumors. I'm sickened by the impact this has had on others, and I want to make it clear there's that in no way did this situation involve any of my teammates or their families. Most importantly, I want to directly apologize to those who have been negatively affected, and I'm sorry for the additional impact to others it has created. My behavior was inappropriate and wrong. I have started working with experts in the mental health and substance abuse fields to discuss my struggles with alcohol and will take whatever steps necessary to ensure this never happens again. I hope to regain the trust and respect of everyone who has believed in me throughout my career. That's from Corey Perry. So, you know what? Uh, Emily Kaplan reported something happened at a, at a team function. Obviously, alcohol was involved and 
said something, did something. I don't want to speculate on what it was, but clearly it was wrong. Being told by many people, nothing illegal, but just clearly uh, something that was uh, was not appreciated. And uh, the Blackhawks decided, okay, you're done. Now, teams have done this before. L.A. tried it with Richards, and he actually did something illegal, right? Uh, he was transporting an illegal substance across the border and got busted. And they still ended up uh, having to owe him, you know, half of his remaining money. Evander Kane, the same thing. Now, Perry's only owed 1.5. Those guys were owned like 20 million, so it's probably a little bit different. But do you think if, so if this turns out that, you know, he's got an alcohol uh, problem and he made some real dumb decisions, dumb actions, dumb words, whatever it was when he was drunk, as long as it wasn't like sexual abuse or anything like that. Do, do you think a team, you know, he goes to rehab for a few months. Do you think a team like is going to sign Corey Perry? Cause if you actually watch him in Chicago, he was quite good in those 16 games. Like I kind of think it's a no brainer if he does, but do you think by there's any chance he tries to fight this termination with Chicago? As far as fight determination, I would kind of have to know what it is. It, it, there's too much gray area still for me to really comment on that. Okay. Um, but the first question, do you think a team will give him a chance? Yeah, if, if booze is the reason, for sure. Because, I mean, I I, I don't know. I'm, I, you know, it just it can change a person. And, and who knows, like, if it was just words, maybe directed the wrong way. If you're really boozing and you're doing something about it, you know, I... I do think, and and not only that, I think he deserves it. If it was only that, right? I mean, and and he's admitting that it's the booze, and I'm going to go and get help from this. I'm totally wrong, and it was just a matter of like, could have been these must have been scathing words to somebody important. You would think, um, being a teammate or someone in the organization, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. He's got a life of being a pest on the ice, but being a professional, and and you know, seems to have a good reputation. So. Again, I'm not saying that everything is excusable with because of alcohol, but I've done some stupid things when I've been blackout drunk that I regret that didn't quite end up on a front page. But, you know, again, if it was just words, it's Corey Perry. And I think 20 plus years of professional service, admitting that you have a problem and doing something about it, definitely for me deserves a second chance and um did you see the trade that went down today the calgary flames trade nikita zadorov to vancouver for a third and a fifth rounder Hmm. that's it like uh, Mm -hmm. so you know a salary dump obviously calgary just felt like okay we you know we want to get rid of this guy and uh away you go i know some water fans but the Oilers don't need a left defenseman right they have lots of left defensemen. they don't need a left defenseman um, so you look at Vancouver, like they're the team that makes trades here. They, there's four trades during the season. They've made all of them. And uh, so, you know, they got rid of Beauvillier um, because of uh, the Perry situation and Taylor Hall being done for the year. Chicago wanted someone. So they take Beauvillier's contract for a fifth and then they get Zadorov and, and they give up uh, a third and, and, and a fifth uh, to do it. Basically, the, the fifth that they got to uh, to give away Beauvillier so you know what uh, what do you kind of it's rare that you see interdivision trades like this and uh I like this deal for Vancouver for sure yeah I I'm surprised I didn't know about that till you just said it um god you would have to think that there's lots of teams out there that would love to have Zadorov and to only get a third and a fifth rounder I think that's a steal I think he's an immediate impact player in Vancouver already over ex- exceeding expectations. And this is only going to make them better. Like you said, I don't think the Oilers need it, but I think there's teams that do need a big, tough left defenseman. 
Oh yeah, ah for sure. I'm, you know, it's uh, it'll be interesting. I know they've had a lot of injuries on the back end in in Vancouver, right? And that's like Myers and Susie, so that they had to do yeah. something. But they didn't have to give up very much. But like, I wonder if Calgary's got something else coming here because that that's the part that I like. You know, they they basically just dumped the salary to get two picks. Yeah, you know that that is often the case. Um, but wouldn't you think, Jason? Wouldn't you think? That somebody out there would have offered more than that. Well, you, you had to guess before today started. Would you? And someone said to use a Dorovs traded. You would have thought it's definitely more than a third and a fifth, wouldn't you? Probably, except there's not a lot of teams who have the cap space to take all the money. That's the difference, yeah, right? Like they freed up the Beauvillier money, and that's what allowed them to um, to make this trade. Right, because most teams that are competing, they don't have three point five million dollars in cap space to just add a player. That's the difference. Side note: How much is the cap going up? Do we know that? Uh, they're saying you know f- four million is the projections that they thought three and a half to four. Yeah. Okay. So that will. Okay, that's going to change the landscape quite. Quite obviously, then. Yeah. So it, yeah, you know, it will help some teams for sure. But, you know, we'll see. I, I still think the teams that are right near the cap this year are probably right going to be near the cap next year, right? Like, I, uh, I, I'm not certain that the NHL GMs and owners are very big on saving cap space. <laughs> Some do, but most are like, oh, do I have an extra meal? Let's spend it right now. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that's kind of it's kind of how it goes. Uh, before we take a break, let's get to the ski report brought to you by Snow Valley. Your ski report for Thursday, November 30th, brought to you by Snow Valley Ski Club. Start your skiing journey at snowvalley.ca. The ski season is underway, but lack of snow making the early season pickings a little bit on the slim side. Best mountain resort skiing right now going to be found in the areas with extensive snowmaking like Nakiska, Norquay, and Marmot Basin. Nakiska currently 34 runs open, including some gladed areas with lifts open right to the top of the mountain. Norquay will have the entire mountain, including the North American chair, open this weekend despite being on limited terrain. Marmot Basin, two chairs open and a 27-centimeter base, while Lake Louise, another resort with large-scale snowmaking, 46-centimeter base with 8 of 11 lifts operating. Sunshine Village, a 43-centimeter base, 6 of 11 lifts operating, but the ski-out not yet open for the season. Looking further south, Castle Mountain opens this Friday, followed by Fernie on Saturday. Kicking Horse and Revelstoke, both tentatively scheduled to be opening up next weekend. In the Edmonton area, Snow Valley opens on Saturday, other local hills likely to follow this coming next weekend and during these lean times for natural snow look for areas with good snow making for the best skiing and snowboarding options that is your snow valley ski report so there you have it uh, all you skiers man uh and uh, hey snow valley uh, opens up officially tomorrow so uh, if you're if your kids or you're chopping at the bit to get out there uh get down the slopes this weekend at snow valley we'll come back with five questions and more on the jason greger show Sports 1440, live on Orders Nation YouTube, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. We continue on game day on Sports 1440. Jason Greger, Connor Halley, Terry Ryan is with us as we get to uh, five questions brought to you by The Brick, where you can save up to 50% off mattresses. Is there a Black Friday a sale continues? Uh, enjoy a next day mattress delivery as well. So stop in now at The Brick. And thebrick.com you have until December 6th to get all these great deals. 
It's time for five questions on the Jason Greger Show. All right, guys, question number one. We're about an hour and 15 minutes away from puck drop, Oilers and Jets. So what's the biggest key to victory for the Oilers as they're out in Winnipeg? Um, God, you know, I tried to come up with a different answer, to try to sound interesting, but defense, goaltending, you know, the whole back part of the game. I just think that the Oilers, I think they're like minus 10 now. I just think they're going to keep scoring and scoring a lot of goals. I think they're that's going to even itself out. I'm still not sold defensively, so I'll say defense. Yeah, I think that's fair. Honestly, I think it's a start. I was looking up the numbers. Winnipeg, actually a quite slow starter in the first periods. Edmonton has the most first period goals this year, twice as many as Winnipeg. Winnipeg scored 16 goals in the first, Edmonton scored 32. The difference is Winnipeg has been very good in the second and the thirds where the Orders have struggled. So I think a good start tonight is crucial for the Orders. Question number two, uh, with the Oilers being off until Wednesday after tonight, what type of things do you think they need to work on in practice with uh, Coach Knobloch finally getting some extended practice time? It's a good question. Um, so they're off Friday and Saturday. Uh, Connor McDavid will be uh, inducted into the uh, Canadian Walk of Fame on uh, Saturday. He'll be there. And then, so they'll have three days uh, of practices. Now, uh, one of them I think could be a hard practice. I think a lot of it's likely going to be focused on any little small tweaks he wants to make. And I've I've really appreciated his honesty. He goes, you know what? You can't over, I haven't made a lot of changes. He said the really thing he wanted to do was guys have fun playing the game. So maybe a little bit more of the mental stuff with him. He focused on, he wants their defenseman to move the puck. And I think we've seen a difference there. No question. But I would say he talked about it early. He still wants to take away the middle of the ice more. So I think they'll have drills that focus on a lot of just getting more comfortable in where he wants them to be to eliminate other teams having a, um, you know the middle of the ice open in the neutral zone. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Specifically. Yeah, I can't give a better answer than that. That's pretty much what I think as well. I, and, and, you know, when coaches come in, they want to they 
you know, they, they want to introduce their own systems, their own take on the game. There's a chance to do that. And I think most of that with the Oilers probably comes on the defensive side of the game, whether that's neutral zone or, you know, defensive zone, whatever it might be. I think they're really going to work on that. I, I, I don't see there being a problem. Like I kept, keep saying offensively, I think they've just had a bad luck. <clears throat> Question number three, uh, Dak Prescott and the Cowboys hosting the Seattle Seahawks for Thursday Night Football. You can join Brandon Douglas down at the Sherwood Park Canadian Brewhouse tonight if you want to go out and watch. He's currently seventh in the league in passing yards per game, second in touchdowns with 23, with only throwing six interceptions, and the Cowboys are tied for the third best record in the NFL behind the Ravens and Eagles. Do you think Dak Prescott is a legit MVP candidate, and uh, I guess, you know, if you're doing the power rankings, where do you have him sitting? I think he's a legit candidate. I mean, but it's just so subjective, and you look at, I guess it doesn't have to be, but in this particular year it is. I mean, I don't know, McCaffrey's having a great year. He's a running back. I like when that happens. Uh, so I'd probably go with him. He's doing things that running backs normally don't do. A historical year from that perspective and you know quarterbacks always get the love so me i'd probably go that way um you know stroud is a great story another guy like you know no one's running away with it so is he a candidate yes do i think he's going to win if it was right now no yeah mccaffrey might win because you know if you look at the quarterback numbers they're all good but there's not one who really like oh my goodness this guy just stands out above everybody right like josh allen leads in touchdown passes but he also has thrown 13 picks right so i think you know, prescott's there at 23 and 6 mahomes is 21 and 9 got a better record you know passing yards are, are virtually identical so i think mccaffrey is actually a pretty good pick because what he's doing at the running back position is is pretty impressive you know he had that touchdown streak going so i don't mind actually the mccaffrey one i know there's lots of running back fans like yeah damn right so a running back should do it and uh, i i think uh, the the running back community would like it because there's no position that has been devalued more lately than the running back mm-hmm. position. And I think McCaffrey can show, hey, guess what, guys? You can have a guy who can do everything if you still want to. Question number four. Deion Sanders won Sports Illustrated Sports Person of the Year. Do you like this election? And if not, I think I know the answer. Who do you think would have been better? Why did he win? Like, honestly. He, he was voted. Yeah, for what though? What did he do? He 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 creates headlines. That's a, let's be honest. This award is to see. Like, oh, let's write about somebody that created headlines. Like, what did he do that qualified him for Sportsman of the Year? Honestly, like I, I didn't see anything that would separate this guy to say, "Oh wow, what an unbelievable!" He he brought this in. He did that. So no, I it, to me, I'm this is all this is is a headline award. Great, good for them. They're getting us to talk about it, so it worked. But um. Yeah, I don't, um, unless the whole thing behind it is who gets the most stories talked about him, then yes, he's worthy of it. If that's what they're going for, then I guess it works. But I've never thought that's what the sports person of the year was about. TR? Yeah, I, it, it, is this, what's it, Sports Illustrated or Time or something? Yeah. Yes, yeah, SI. SI, yeah. See, it's, it's just a headline, right? Like, they, uh, these things are subjective. I have nothing against Deion Sanders, and in, ha- in fact, I kind of got a kick out of all of that. I'm, I'm I'm happy that it's a positive story in a world that many stories aren't. But sports person of the year, I mean, come on. Unless you're trying to grab a headline, why would he be? They're four and eight, weren't they? Weren't yeah. they four and eight, and didn't <laughs> yeah. they start like three with three wins? So that yeah. means they must have had at least like a seven-game losing streak at some point yeah. or so- close to. You know, we were sports person of the year. For me, I'd probably give it to Messi. 
Um, yeah, that's a you good know, and, you know, I, but again, it's very subjective and there's probably 50 people that I would pick ahead of Deion Sanders, to be quite honest with you. Like I, I just, quick, I, I quickly looked at all the previous winners, Steph Curry, Tom Brady, LeBron James, Brianna Stewart. Uh, now Lauren Duvernay Tardif, yeah, Lauren Duvernay Tardif won it when they, you know, he's the doctor during COVID and then they won the Super Bowl, you know, Osaka, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Jose Altuve, the Warriors, funny enough, the team, JJ Watt, none of these. These guys all had successful years. Yeah, it's terrible. So Dion had no success. So yeah, it's stun. It's actually quite surprising now that you say it. Yeah, yeah. It seems like a award he would have won when he was playing in this, the NFL and Major League Baseball, but didn't get it then. Gets it now in TR. He lost six straight to end That's the season. Jesus, this guy played two in two of the major four of the major sports. Yeah, that's the story. There yes. you go. I bet you. Uh, I bet you. What's his name? Bo. Bo Jackson. I bet you he was sports person of the year. He should have been. Oh, God. Bo was unbelievable. <laughs> oh, God. Come on. I just want to see. I don't know if Bo no, was. No. I'm looking. Bo never won. How in the name of God was he not? <laughs> Thank he was you. an all-star at both. He wasn't just a player. He was an all-star. Well, there. It's one thing to be Deion Sanders. It's another to be Bo Jackson. Hey, you know who and else? For those that are listening that don't know, go back and watch. Bo knows, baby. Yeah, you know who else never won? Wayne Gretzky. So, enough said. Yeah. Yeah. He won in 82. Gretzky did? Yeah. Okay. I well, my list went back to uh, 87. Well, there you go. Yeah, so uh, I, th- I believe it might have been the ABC Sports or Sportsman of the Year, but looks like he won. And he eight- still only won it. He won it in '82. He didn't win it the year they had two in. Wow. Okay. Well, there you go. All right. Oh, you know Sports Illustrated. A final question for you guys, filmmaker Sir Ridley Scott celebrates his 85th birthday today. So, of all the films he's been a part of in any role, what is your favorite? Oh, I just watched them. I talked about them, I think, on here, at least on my own podcast. I love the Alien movies. Now, I know he didn't do the sequel, but he did Alien and he did Prometheus. And they're two of my favorites of the series, so I'm going to have to go there. I'm probably going to go, well, not probably. I'm going to go with Gladiator. I knew you were. God, I love that movie. Um, Mm. There's so many great scenes. Uh, You know, Russell Crowe is fantastic. In that movie, God, I loved it. So yeah, I would, uh, I'll go there for sure. I'm trying to. Now, I just saw Gladiator Two is coming out. They're filming it right now. I gotta find out who's in it. Who's in Gladiator Two? Denzel. Oh. Denzel. Yeah. Whew. Really. Now, but he won't be the main. Paul Mescal, Denzel Washington. Huh. Hmm. Denzel. It's like. Yeah. 60s, isn't he? Yeah. I guess he could. Oh, well, I mean, to... I'm not. I, I love Denzel as an actor. Just no, odd. I mean, but, but he's, he's the gladiator. But of course, yeah, the story could be. I'm, I'm really assuming a lot. here. No, the no, he he's not the main gladiator. He is. Um, okay. So Paul Mescal is going to be. He's the nephew of Commodus. He's now a grown man, right? After being saved by Maximus and Gladiator, right? Lucius yeah. is the nephew, right? So he was the young kid. Remember him? And so now he. Oh, yeah. So that's. Yeah, he is. Um, he's. He grows up, and then Denzel is a former slave turned wealthy arms and commodity dealer with a grudge against the emperor. So he basically replaces the guy that was. Now, I, I, I hear you're in. You're you, you get uh, you're going to Toronto for the uh, for the mm-hmm. weekend to get some time off from filming. What's on the docket in To this weekend? I've never been to a Raptors game. I can't wait. So we're we're oh. uh, 
Really? Yeah, we're going to go. So one of the girls in the show, the girl who plays Nat, yeah. who runs our team, mm -hmm. she owns a place called The Parlor. Okay. And if you're downtown Toronto, you know what I'm talking about. It's a really cool, trendy spot. We're going to go there for a bite to eat. It's a, it's a bar. It, it goes to Montreal. It's a lot like Bonanote. Tasia, Tasia Tellis is her name. She used to work at Bonanote, and I used to go there in Montreal years ago. It's quite wild. Um, now, just wait a second. And, are, are you and wearing, now we're on this show together. Now, are you wearing fingerless gloves right now? I am. Like Rocky Balboa. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, what? what's going on here? Are you going training? Are you running outside? Are you doing some boxing? <laughs> I would have. I would have. I didn't think about it. I keep forgetting you guys go for an extra hour. So I will be able to do that a little bit more. And I would have done it today. But having not known that this morning, we planned a rehearsal. It, 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 it's similar. The film world does does mirror the hockey world in some ways. Like, it's a team thing. And we've got these scenes that show, like, Hudson and Rex or, or Son of a Critch again that are happening at home or like Republic of Doyle or Frontier, any of those shows I've worked on. You know, a, a long scene is six pages, seven pages. Like, they're long. We do them 20-odd here. So 20-odd you, you know, it, it, It's knowing when to, when to come in. Like, for okay. me, that was one of the first things I realized on this show. I'm like, it's one thing to get it down and remember it, right? Remember. But you're acting here. So it's remembering the words, but then it's when to come in and out. Like you might go four pages in this show and not speak. And then you get it. So you're like, okay, this is going to go on. So you're reading it and then you got to hear it. So it's really important when we all get together and if everybody's going to do it, then okay, someone better not let us down. Let's go through this. We'll do this now for the next three hours and it'll be kind of natural, but it's it. Yeah. It's one thing. One of the first things I learned, especially doing this show, it's one thing to remember it, but you've got to remember that you're acting and you have it has to look fluent. And for everybody to be on a scene and to, to make it look authentic is a lot harder than it looks. Awesome. Hey, guess what? It's Bo Jackson's birthday today. So, oh, wild. How about just that? Just got people noticing, mention that. Huh? Who knew? TR, have yourself a great day. We'll talk to you Monday. You too. And uh, thanks again. And uh, thank you, Jason. Thank you, Connor. Thank you, Edmonton. Talk to you guys soon. That is uh, Terry Ryan. Uh, fingerless gloves. He's thinking he's Rocky Balboa right now. That was actually a really good comeback. Rocky Balboa. Fingerless gloves. Who wears the fingerless gloves? You know what I'm talking about? Where uh, you're, uh, you wear the glove, it covers up your palm, and then basically your whole fingers are exposed. Any of you rock those? I'm curious. We'll come back. We'll find out if Spec does. Spec might have a big announcement, actually. We'll find out next after Connor Halley, a Sports 1440 update brought to you by Edmonton Kubota. And hey, it's in the forecast, but it's coming. So be prepared. Snow removal, all the accessories. They'll relieve your stress. EdmontonKubota.com.